Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Go ahead and flip to Luke 4. Luke 4. Luke 4. Luke 4. I have a lot to say tonight, and so Holy Spirit, help me. There's always this uh, temptation when you're not the main guy to say a lot. So I want to say what he's saying. I also have a little alarm on my Apple Watch that's going to ding me, so I don't know why I told you that. Um, <laughs> but we could be here all night, maybe. This is like the best place to be. I was already supposed to start my intro and make it quick, but I just feel his presence really strong. It's awesome. Okay. Whoever said like going to like the people, they can only focus for an hour, do an hour and get out. (laughs) We could be here all night because it's awesome. And it will change us forever. I think the church has kind of catered to kind of the lukewarm. (laughs) And said, oh, let's just be here for a couple, an hour and a half, maybe. Anyways, what am I saying? Here we go. Luke 4, are you there? Luke 4, are you there? Okay, we are picking back up in a series. We're in the book of Luke. So you're at Luke 4. So before we jump in, I just want to say, some of you may or may not know of the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. It came every 50 years to the people of Israel. And the year of Jubilee was awesome because um, debts were forgiven. There's a lot of different things that happened. It was pretty much a festival, a whole like reset for Israel. Pretty awesome. Debts were forgiven. Listen to what what I'm saying and what it entails. It's really awesome. Debts forgiven. Slaves were made free. Meals were shared and music was played. And, and the start of Jubilee always came with a trumpet being sound, sounded loud. Even the word in Hebrew for Jubilee is like ram's horn trumpet. So it always started. And so I believe that tonight there is a sound to hear, if you can hear it. I believe Jesus is blowing the ram's horn trumpet of freedom over us tonight. And so my question right now and throughout the rest of the night is, can you hear the sound? Can you hear the trumpet of the Lord? The Jubilee trumpet. Culture, the world, I guarantee you, is blowing a different trumpet, making a different sound to distract you. But my question for you now and for the rest of the night is, can you hear the Jubilee trumpet of the Lord that brings freedom? Let's read. We're going to start at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's awesome. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. 
He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. This is awesome. Pay attention to this, these kind of nec- the next two scriptures. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Can you say good news? He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Say freedom. For the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Can you say free? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Can you say favor? Verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant. I don't know why that makes me laugh. The attendant. Like Connor is a good attendant. He's always there. He's a faithful friend. And sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Tonight, even right now, are your eyes fastened on Jesus? Do it now, Lord. Increase amazement and wonder. Verse 21. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture, so what he read, is fulfilled. Can you say fulfilled? In your hearing. Last time, say hearing. Uh, Scripture 22. Scripture 22. All spoke well of him. That's good. So it was a good sermon. And were amazed at the gracious words. Thank you, Lord. That came from his lips. And then here's kind of a little shift. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow of Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Verse 27. And then he gives them a second kind of story. There were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only named in the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Can I pray again? Holy Spirit, you love to reveal Jesus. Would you do that now? For this remainder of time together, Jesus be known. Jesus, we thank you for being our freedom, our Messiah. Thank you for being our King. Jesus, would you come and fill this place with your glory and show us how holy you are? Would you instill the fear of the Lord again? Would the gift of repentance that comes from kindness turn our face back to you? We love you. As your children here, we are here to open our hearts and say, have your way with me. Have your way with us. Jesus, be glorified. Everyone says, amen. Now, before we jump back into the text, and we're going to unpack some stuff here, I want to share 
these actually might even be the longest slides we've ever had. I want to share two phrases with you all to give you uh, some simple direction on where I think the Lord wants to take us and things for us to focus on. Now, before we show them, the first phrase is, is more of a desire of mine for tonight's talk, and the second is, is the fruit of this desire, or almost a byproduct, if you will. Okay, so these two phrases are going to kind of give us direction where we're going. They're on the screen, so next slide. It's pretty simple. I want people to understand what the year of the Lord's favor is, and this is awesome, and how participation in it is better than any cultural pushback or earthly solution. Next slide. Our freedom and fulfillment in life, our salvation can only be found in the person of Jesus. And we do not need to strive for the year of the Lord's favor. Let's actually read that together. This is, this is awesome. Ready? One, two, three. Our freedom and fulfillment in life, our salvation can only be found in the person of Jesus. And we do not need to strive for the year of the Lord's favor. So I have a question for us to think through. Next slide. Are you hungry for the person more than the flesh, the world, or the church? So these are going to give us some focus. Actually, it may be distracting, but I don't think I want to leave this up here because um, as the Holy Spirit's ministering to your heart, I kind of want you to hear some of what I'm saying, but have this on the background so you can kind of dwell on it, okay? Before we get into the year of the Lord's favor, I want us to simply just look at Jesus, the person of Jesus. See, in this text, we see that he is our great model. We see that Jesus knows who he is. Jesus understood himself and his role in the history of Israel. This is a big deal. Verse 18 says this. Oh, I've got to pull it up here, sorry. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I, I think about in, uh, in John, Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently, but they all speak about me. It's a big deal. So what we're seeing here in, in 18 is Jesus knows his role in Israel. And this is pretty crazy because they have the scriptures. They know the scriptures. And he's saying this Isaiah 61 passage, this is a prophecy from Isaiah 61. Hey, it's about me. So he knows his role and, and, and what he is here to bring. He knows that he's here to proclaim good news. He's here to proclaim freedom, recovery of sight to the blind. So this is important. This is simple stuff. I even felt like while we were like in worship, I heard the Lord kind of like bring this up. Tonight, the reason why I want our hearts to be opened is some of the stuff you may have just heard before, but, but I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is actually going to destroy familiarity tonight, and we're going to touch on this in a bit, that actually a lot of what I'm saying tonight you've heard before and may not be cool and Twitter worthy, but I promise you, if you get this, I'm going to be bold enough to say this, I felt this in worship, if you capture some of the things that we're talking about tonight, this is what will go with you in eternity, you may not feel all the, sh the shivvies, but it will change your life, and it's a foundation you can stand on. So there's this simple phrase, who Jesus is changes your whole reality. Simple. Who he is, the role that he plays, what he does, him being himself can and will, if you, if you go to him and surrender to him, will change your whole reality. 
what's awesome in this context, his debut of being like Messiah, right? He's on tour, if you will. He's hometown show. And what I love about this is this whole story of Jesus, and, and when I say this, this is to make us fall in love with the person of Jesus again. This whole s- story, it shows us that he drips with humility. They say his words are gracious. But, but what do I mean by humility? He, his big Messiah debut was part of his custom daily routine, right? What I love about it, my, he goes to the synagogue as his custom, Right? He sits down. Picture this. Just like picture it. He sits down. This is a big deal because it sounds simple, but it shows us that with Jesus and him being Messiah, it's no, no big rally, no big show is needed. He knows who he is. He's not doing things for the applaud of people. He's being obedient to his father. See, Jesus understood himself in the history of Israel. He's the Messiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the first time I believe that, like, like some people, I hear that thing every now and then, like, Jesus never said he was God. Whatever. That's a different sermon. This, the beginning, this is like Trinity stuff. Spirit, Lord, is upon me. He's declaring the Trinity. This is awesome. He says he is God, and it's time to party. That's what he's saying. See, who Jesus is changes your whole reality. Jesus makes his Messiah moment part of his daily routine, and I think this is good to point out. Why? Because this has to do with what salvation is. Salvation is way more about an eternal reality than a national or political outside reality changing. It's pretty awesome because what he's saying is actually, if you were, picture Israel, They had, because later we find out they were familiar and rejected him, right? They had their own idea. I mean, it's crazy for Jesus to be like, hey, all those scriptures that you know, every one of them, even each kind of, uh, can I word it this way, like messianic prototype in the scriptures, they're all pointing to me. Isaiah 61 is pointing to me. But they, they in their idea had a different idea as a messiah, It was either somebody who would bring about political change, somebody who would actually destroy their enemies. But Jesus doesn't, this is how awesome Jesus is. He knows who he is and he's so humble and he says, actually, what you're looking for, the scriptures, they speak of me and I'm here and here's the good news, it's time to party. See, culture, this is not like a new thing. Everything will tell you that your freedom is found externally. It's about, hey, if we change this policy, if we do these different things, then that is where our salvation and freedom will come. But Jesus actually says, hey, I'm the period to the end of that. I'm freedom, the person of Jesus. And he's saying, I'm here to fulfill the year of the Lord's favor. The waiting is over. This is awesome. The year of Jubilee, something that is beautiful, amazing. Think about all those things at the beginning that I said it was. This is bold. Jesus is saying the thing that you're waiting for every 50 years, freedom, debts paid off, slaves. I sound like Dave Ramsey. (laughs) Debts paid off. Uh, Good news to the poor, oppressed, being free. All these things that you're waiting for for 50 years, you don't have to wait anymore. I have come to fulfill this, and it's found in me. Jesus tonight, 
is blowing a Jubilee trumpet, can you hear it? Who Jesus is, once again, can change your whole reality. How do we know this, that the scripture is fulfilled? I mentioned it, that the scriptures speak about me, he said. Um, Let's see. What I love this is he says, it's fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I'm willing to say this may be a little bit of, of Jake's thoughts here, but this has been fulfilled, Isaiah 61 has been fulfilled in your hearing. So you could either look at that as almost being like court language a little bit, like we're all here, or like old-timey language or like Downton Abbey language, maybe. But kind of just like, this was told in the hearing of the people. But I'd like to propose that this, Jesus being your freedom, being fulfilled, is fulfilled in your hearing. How you hear what Jesus is saying, and if you've been familiar with that, dictates the freedom that you have. Thank you. And so, uh, this is Jake's thought, but I also, I, I think, here's the thing. We hear from the scriptures, or what we read, is that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Your faith in Jesus, we're believers, right? We believe. Your faith comes how? From hearing. Not by external things, not by what you do, not by your spiritual practices. Not what, No, it comes from hearing and being connected to his voice. So faith comes from hearing, but how? Just hearing like a cool podcast? Pray, stretch a hand out. I knew that was going to happen. Lord help. We'll cut that out of the podcast somehow. Track, track, Jesus. Okay, faith comes by hearing. Wow, I felt like my body took a screenshot. I don't think that was inappropriate. Okay, here we go. Remember, we're encountering Jesus. Some of you aren't used to church being this fun. It's good for you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right? Are you with me? So, it comes by hearing. And so, it is fulfilled, your freedom is fulfilled if you've heard from him, but the word of God. But we also know that Jesus is the word become flesh. This is beautiful because the the scriptures prophesy of him. They speak about him. And so, he is the word. He is truth. And so, when we believe the word of God, this is simple stuff. Maybe not tweetable, but simple stuff. By hearing the word of God connected to him will bring about faith. And in this context, it will bring about your, the, him being the year of the Lord's freedom, him being your freedom, fulfilled. You get it. <laughs> this, is partici- this is participation on your end. See, Jesus knew who he was. He's saying, hey, I am your freedom. I may kind of be repeating myself here for a second, but think about, we'll go back over it, but that Isaiah 61, all those things, this is crazy, all those things in the year of the the Lord, Jubilee, all those things that you want, you don't have to wait anymore. All those are found in me. So if 
if you hear one thing tonight, Jesus is your freedom. Outside of Jesus, there is no freedom. Next, year of the Lord's favor. I want to talk about that. What do you get when you make Jesus your all in all? You get that favor on you. So what is it? It is. Here we go. What is it, Jake? It's good news to the poor. What does that mean? It's freedom to people who need it. Is it good news to you still? I would argue if it's not, it's because something in you, and I mean this in a good way, hear me, the poor side of you being poor in spirit has gone away if it's just become okay news. If there's been, uh, we need to rely on his voice. And so if we're getting better news from elsewhere, and his news when we come to church is just like, eh, and three weeks are good, and then they played my favorite song, and so yeah, like I, the good news is back. No, no, no. The good news is for people that are poor. So let me word it this way. It's good news if you realize that you are dependent on him. Okay? This is good. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Well, let me read what I was doing. Sorry. Um, good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners. For me, this thinks of sin. There's freedom. If you feel like a prisoner to yourself and the world, uh, hearing what God's saying, understanding who he is in your life will bring about freedom. There's freedom for you today. Recovery of sight for the blind. So this could be spiritual, but also I want to say a healing. He's your healing. To set the oppressed free. So if you are confused, if you feel like demonic things are talking to you, if you don't have clarity, if you feel oppressed, you feel weighed down, you're carrying a burden, there's freedom in the year of the Lord's favor for you. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I don't know, this sometimes helps me, but when I read what, the, what is on offer from the Lord, I like reading it like that line by line because then sometimes I also, um, in a simple way, like to see what is outside of that favor, if that makes sense. So I can see what's at hand, but if I don't accept what he's saying in my life, if I don't accept the year of the Lord's favor found just in him, what do I have to forfeit? Well... A life of bad news. A life where you are a prisoner to sin. Where you are blind or confused. Where sickness is rampant in your life. I mean, that might be a kind of a tough one to talk about. But I think about uh, elders. getting. Uh, uh, if anyone is sick among you, bring them to the elders. If. For, the believer, for believers, sickness shouldn't be rampant. If. If. Right? So all these things outside of the Lord's favor happen when Jesus isn't your main freedom. All those other things happen. 
You can't get your freedom or your favor anywhere else than the person of Jesus. Jesus is our freedom. We need to be reminded of this today. We actually need to repent today. We do. And turn back to him. Salvation is here. He's ringing the trumpet. Can you hear it? The year of the Lord's favor comes only from a person, not circumstances changing. Now, this one's so fun. Another thing on, on the year of the Lord's favor, Isaiah, verse 2. If you know that prophecy, now please hear me, I know that back in the day they didn't have scriptures, right? They didn't have it broken up. But if you know the prophecy, the whole prophecy, Jesus, in our Bibles, in verse 2, he didn't finish the prophecy. If you've never heard this or this has never been, this is a big deal. So he ends to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and he says, this scripture has been fulfilled. So he's pretty much saying, hey, it ends here. I'm the period. But if you go back to Isaiah 61, it says, the day of vengeance of our God, so to, to bring the year of the Lord's favor, to bring the vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. So he didn't finish the, the prophecy. And, and in our day and age, now to kind of, this is a fun thought, if, if a pastor spoke his message, we would get called out for pulling a scripture out of context. Because it's not like Jesus, Jesus just didn't fit, like he just didn't, he, it's not like he didn't just read the next scripture. <laughs> he like stopped mid-thought and just said it's been fulfilled. Why? Because I believe when you accept him as your freedom, he's saying it's time to party, vengeance is gone, and I don't need to comfort you anymore, hear me, because the time of mourning's done. He's our comforter, but in the context of this, him being your freedom, I don't need, I don't, there's no more mourning. There's no more vengeance. I'm the year of Jubilee. I'm the festival of Jubilee. This is awesome. He's the author of the book, so he can do that. <laughs> Some of you might get like twisted. Why do you do that? I don't like you. No, he, he is the word. He's the author. He can do whatever he wants to his own book. Amen? Okay. I got to move on here. Are we getting something so far? I'm going to just, because I want to do communion and stuff, the worship team can actually come, come up. I want to end with this kind of point. Uh, next slide. Um, next. Next. <laughs> Rejection and familiarity. I want to talk about this real quick, and then we're going to end, okay? We see that people were amazed, but then what happens is they get familiar. Say, isn't this Joseph's son? Their familiarity messes with their hearing. This should be extremely sobering to us. Because, yes, he's talking to these people, but he, the Bible's also written to us. He's saying, hey, there is a tendency. You can be so familiar with me that you don't actually get all the benefits of the year of the Lord's favor. Our familiarity can steal and distract us from the year of the Lord's favor. Let me say it this way. Your familiarity with Jesus 
can cost you your freedom. They say, physician, heal thyself. Some scholars say, to give a little bit of context, it's almost the same type of thing of, um, you know, when Jesus is on the cross and they're like, if you're the Messiah, take yourself down from there. It's kind of the same exact type language. Physician, heal thyself. Another side little, like, Bible nerd thing. This is kind of cool. This story is in uh, other Gospels, right? But then we learn in Colossians from Paul that Luke is a doctor. It's kind of cool. This is like has nothing to do with my sermon. It's just kind of fun. Is Luke is a doctor, and in his Gospel, he put this. I just love stuff like that because it shows the validity of Scripture. And it also shows that he just really cares about this part. He's a doctor, and they called him a doctor. It's kind of cool. But they're saying, hey, essentially prove something to us. You Like, do something for us. And he's saying, just like these other people, just like the people that should have had their eyes peeled for the Messiah being their freedom, just like them, you rejected me. Your familiarity cost your freedom. Familiarity takes away your need for the favorable year. So how do you get familiar with Jesus? Catch this. Be about the person. Or how do you get just familiar with Jesus? You be about the tradition and not the person. You come to church not for Jesus. You come to church for the sermon, for the worship songs. How do you get familiar? How do you get to a point where you say, isn't this just Joseph's son? How do you get to the point where you lose amazement and you lose your wonder of Christ? Like, think about this question. How do you get familiar with something? This should kind of sting a bit. When I wrote it, it stung me. I was like, oh, how do you get familiar with something? You use it all the time. <laughs> so you use Jesus all the time to get to your next thing? We don't use God. He is, uh, he's the king. We follow him. God's not raising up like employees. He's raising up sons and daughters. See, one way to not get familiar is pick up your cross daily. If you've gotten familiar with Christ, I would argue, when was the last time that you died to yourself? When was the last time that you actually, we, like I think about uh, Paul, he talks about, this is, this is about persecution. But he says, we die daily. We can use that principle and be like, Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. How do you get amazement and wonder? You stare at Jesus. When you come to church, you stare at Jesus. When you're reading your your word, you're not just doing it as an act of spiritual discipline. uh, Those are good, but you're saying, author, read me. Book, read me. Everything is, yeah, but Jesus. Are you tracking with me?
Did you know that you could come to church and do the church things but not be connected to Jesus? Did you know that you can love the things in the kingdom but not and miss him? Like especially in charismatic movements, this one's going to get me in trouble a little bit. We love the moving of the spirit. I love it. But the spirit is a person. What am I saying? Is in charismatic movements, you could love the spirit so much unto revival, which means for some people, revival is signs and wonders. It's healing. And that's your thing. For some people, it's missions. Did you know you can give your whole life to missions and not be connected to him? For some people, it is... Um, Um, yeah, signs and wonders. Did you know that you could come to God for revival and miss God? You could love revival so much, but not love Jesus. For instance, what is revival? Revival, I think a good definition for revival is a returning back to the Spirit. But the Spirit is a person. But when you go after revival, you're like, we're going to be the church that goes after healing. We do that every week, and we're not going to stop. But what happens is Jesus is the healer. So what is revival? A returning back to the Spirit, which is Jesus. And when Saints Hill creates a place where we just honor Jesus, he gets lifted up and people start to get healed. Because the world is drawn to the person of Jesus. You can do the things, but not be connected to him. Go read Judas. You can know, you can know, you can be a disciple of Jesus and not know him. We see that in the life of Peter at times. Let's, uh, Let's stand and take communion. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.